you know, life can be so busy, it's so hectic. There's always some place to be, something to do, something to accomplish, a bill to pay, an assignment to finish. In the middle of it all, you gotta try to balance it, right? You got your family, your friendships, your work, your play, your religion, your school. Everything's gotta come together. You know, the average life expectancy of a person on Earth today is around 71 years. Well, I turned 45 years old this year, which means I only got about 26 years left on average, right? And the question is, what am I gonna do with my time? The time is ticking away, life is short. You know, every second that goes by is a second I'm not gonna get back. And this is true for you, and this is true for me. So the question we all have to answer is, what are we gonna do with it? How are we gonna spend our time? What is it that, that makes our life matter? What makes it worth living? How can we make sure that our lives are well lived? And who is there that can help us make sense of it all? Well, since humanity appeared on the earth, there have been about 108 billion people who've been born and died. 7.4 billion people are alive today. Well, one of those 108 billion people was a man named Jesus. He was born 2,000 years ago, and he stands out as unique. Jesus stands out in the sea of humanity as someone that was just different from all the rest. When it comes to the big questions in life, nobody's had a bigger impact than Jesus has. You know, when you look at Jesus and, and the things that he said and the things that he accomplished and the things that he did, he was just different. He really did stand out. And listen, people who reacted to Jesus, they had strong reactions to him. Jesus showed up on the scene and into the sea of humanity, he said, come follow me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And people did, they had strong reactions to Jesus. They had strong reactions back then. They still have strong reactions today. When Jesus says to you, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, you should follow me. Should you do it? Well, over the years, everyone who's ever encountered him has had to make that decision. One of these guys was a guy named Matthew. His story's found in the book of the Bible, Matthew chapter nine. Uh, this book bears his name. And his story's pretty simple. He was encountered by Jesus one day and Jesus just looked at him and said, hey, come follow me. And what's crazy about Matthew's story is that Matthew was a tax collector. And as Jesus was walking along and he encounters this guy sitting in the tax collector's booth, he just looks at him and says, follow me. And the crazy story is that Matthew just gets up and follows him. In the book of Luke, it adds a little bit to it and says that Matthew left everything and followed Jesus. Now why would Matthew do this? If you understood what Matthew was and, and his influence in Roman society, Matthew was a tax collector. And for Matthew just to get up and follow Jesus was a huge risk for him. You know, in Roman society, they, they would get these guys from, from the countries that they would conquer to join with them. People that would, would literally become traitors to their own people where they would sit in these tax collector booths and they would extort money from the people. They would overcharge. This is the way these tax collectors made their money. They would overcharge in order to extort money from the people and become rich themselves. And they had the blessing of the Roman government to do this. It was really a crazy way to make a living and everybody hated these people. So listen, for Matthew just to get up from his booth and start following Jesus, he was risking it all. Because understand something, once you left your post for the Roman government, there was no getting it back. And you better believe that nobody in Israel trusted this guy. So the risk that he was taking by getting up and leaving his living and just start to follow Jesus, he was risking everything. And the question is, why would he do that? 
Why would someone do this? And why would anybody do this? Matthew did this, and there have been billions of people over the years who've made the same decision when it comes to Jesus. They have left everything to follow him. And the question that you and I have to figure out is, should we do it? Is Jesus really worth following? Does, does Jesus really have the answers to the biggest and toughest questions in life? Because listen, it costs something to follow Jesus. It costs something to Matthew. And it's cost a lot of people a lot over the years. Most of the earliest followers of Jesus, they literally gave their lives for what they claimed to believe. This decision to follow Jesus cost them. Matthew was one of them. Matthew left everything to follow Jesus and what it eventually led him to is he was, he was stabbed to death trying to share the good news about Jesus in Ethiopia. And listen, if you think it doesn't cost as much to follow Jesus today as it did back then, think again. Just this past year, there were tens of thousands of people who were killed for their decision to follow Jesus. And right here in America today, it's not getting any easier to follow him. It's getting harder and harder and it's going to cost you more and more. And the question is, is it worth it? No matter what it costs you. Well, there is this old saying that says that something is only worth living for if it's worth dying for. So is Jesus worth dying for? What do you think? I can tell you, I think that Jesus himself would be the first to say, if you can find someone better, if you can find someone who has better answers for how to live life, better answers to the biggest questions of life, then you should take them up on their offer and follow them. I think Jesus would be the first one to say that. If there's a better option out there, choose that. Follow someone else. But if not, Jesus would say, take up your cross and follow me. And what Jesus promises you will find is the very presence and power and love of God himself available to men and women like you and me right here, right now, today. Jesus called it the good news of the kingdom of God. Is the news really as good as Jesus says it is? That's what we need to decide. And that's what we're going to explore today in part three of Vintage Jesus. We're going to talk today about Jesus the man. Well, hey, have you ever tried to do something that just felt impossible to you? Think about that for a minute. Something that you wanted to do in life, something that you wanted to become in life, and it just felt impossible to you. Well, this was kind of the story of my growing up years because I was a sports nut when I was growing up. I was super into baseball, basketball, football. I, I wanted to be Lou Whitaker. Now I'm dating myself, I realize that. But I wanted to be Lou Whitaker. I wanted to be Isaiah Thomas. I wanted to be Billy Sims. Problem is, Lou Whitaker was six feet tall. Isaiah Thomas was six foot one. Billy Sims, six feet tall, 212 pounds of solid muscle. 
Now, I don't know if you've noticed, but I am not 212 pounds of solid muscle. I'm only 145 pounds of solid muscle without the solid muscle part, <laughs> right? And I'm not six feet tall, I'm a, I'm a little bit vertically challenged, right? So, so this means that my dream of being a professional baseball player, professional basketball player, professional football player was just that. It was a dream. Something I was only gonna accomplish while unconscious, right? <laughs> Laying flat on my back in la-la land. Well, fast forward to 2006 in my life when I was 35 years old, and this became a problem in my life again. Having something that I wanted to do that just felt impossible for the same old reason, right? I wasn't the six foot tall, tall, dark, and handsome because this is when Tara came into my life. Now, uh, if, if you don't know, uh, Pastor Jack and Tara, our brother sister, and Jack and I have been really good friends for about 20 years. Well, Jack used to come over to my house and just hang out and visit, and he started bringing his sister with him a little bit, and so Tara started hanging out with me a little bit. And then all of a sudden, Tara started coming over without her brother and just hanging out a little bit, right? Now, in Tara's mind, in fairness, in Tara's mind, we were just friends. But to me, we were going to get married soon, okay? <laughs> so I did what any emotionally healthy, well-adjusted man would do. I started stalking her on MySpace. And I read everything she ever posted. I daydreamed about her day and night. And then the fateful day came. She posted something on MySpace that talked about, you know those questionnaires, you remember those MySpace people in the room? If you're over 20, you remember MySpace. And you used to have those questionnaires that people would post on their MySpace page, remember that? Well, she posted one of these things, big long list of questions. And, and one of the questions that she had on this little list was, what kind of a guy was she interested in? And one of the questions was, how tall did he have to be? Now it said on her little thing that the guy that she was interested in had to be, she didn't care. I mean, the first part of it was great. She says, I don't care as long as he's taller than me. And then it said she was five foot four. I became five foot five that day. Okay, now, now listen, I'm not gonna tell you how tall I really am, but if you look at my driver's license, it says five foot five and driver's license don't lie, right? Now, I, I did have another moment where this became a little bit of a problem for me because you know that, that first moment when you're gonna go in for the kiss, right? We developed, we started dating and you're gonna kiss her for the first time. And I had tried to convince her I was taller than she was, but you know what happens, you go in for the kiss and her lips are higher than yours. Now, but I had a built-in answer for this. I have a long face, she has a short face, so even though I'm taller than her, my lips are lower. Right, that was my answer, and it worked. <laughs> it worked, so I convinced Tara that I was five foot five and all my dreams came true and the rest is history, okay? This is where we live today. <laughs> but, but, but in all seriousness, having something that you wanna do in life that feels impossible can be very frustrating, can't it? Just extremely frustrating. And this is how a lot of us feel when Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, come follow me. Come be like me. And it feels impossible, doesn't it? I mean, really, Jesus showing up and saying, it, it kind of feels like he's telling a short person to be tall. Jesus shows up and says, come follow me. But the problem is, here's what the scriptures say. 
First Peter chapter two, verse 21, puts it like this. It says, Christ is your example, and you must follow in his steps. Now, you just consider for a minute what you know to be true about Jesus. Think about the things that you know that he did, the way he lived his life, the kind of person that he was. And if you're like me, your first reaction to this is, that's impossible. Christ is my example and I should follow in his steps. I could never live like Jesus and do what he did. And if that's not your first reaction, you must not know, you must not know much about Jesus. And so what I want to do is, I just want to share a few pictures from Jesus' life. A few stories about Jesus and who he was in order to help you feel how impossible this, this really is. If you don't think it's impossible now, just wait until you hear these three stories and see these three pictures of Jesus' life. The, the first of them happened when Jesus was 30 years old and he was just beginning his public ministry. For 30 years, Jesus just lived as an ordinary guy, but then all of a sudden he decided to step out into the public eye and begin the public ministry that we're all so familiar with. And on the front end of this, in Matthew chapter four, it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now we all know what it's like to be tempted, right? Temptation. It's those moments of life where you have an unsatisfied desire of some kind. And you're tempted to satisfy that desire in a way that you know is wrong. Temptation. One of Jesus' friends, a man named John, called it the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. To put it in modern terms, temptation is about physical desires like hunger and sex. We all know what this is like, right? You have a physical desire that's unmet and you are, you are tempted to satisfy it in a way that you know is wrong. A physical desire. Maybe it's a material desire, right? Like wealth or possessions. Or maybe it's an emotional desire like popularity or power. Physical desires, material desires, emotional desires. Now there's nothing wrong with the desires themselves, right? But temptation happens when when you feel pulled to satisfy a legitimate desire in an illegitimate way. And in Matthew 4, Jesus was tempted in all these exact ways that we're tempted. It says that Jesus was hungry And Satan tempted him to satisfy that desire in a way that would dishonor God. Jesus had very little material wealth. He had very few possessions. And Satan tempted him and said, I will give you all the kingdoms of the earth and all of their glory if you'll bow down and worship me instead of worshiping God. And Jesus was the son of God, but nobody believed it yet. And Satan tempted him and taunted him to make a prideful spectacle out of himself to prove who he really was. And Satan tried to lead Jesus into the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, just like he tries to lead you and me, to satisfy legitimate desires in illegitimate ways. And Jesus was tempted, but but Jesus resisted Satan's temptations at every turn. And here's how the story ends. Matthew chapter four, verses 10 and 11 says this. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him. The way I like to picture this is is Satan tucked his tail and ran. Jesus resisted him. Hebrews 4.15 says that, that Jesus was tempted in every way just like we are. Yet he never sinned. 
Now you think of that for a minute. What would it be like to never give in to temptation even one time ever? To resist temptation all the way. You know when temptation gets easier is when you give in to it. (laughs) Imagine what it would be like to never give in. To feel the force of temptation building and building through your entire life and never give in to it. He was tempted in all the ways like we are, yet never sinned. Another story from Jesus' life happened when one of his best friends died. Jesus had a friend named Lazarus. The story is found in John chapter 11. Now, it was the custom back in those days when someone died for the family and friends to all gather together for seven days and just mourn and grieve together. And by the time Jesus showed up on the scene in John chapter 11, Lazarus had already been dead for four days. The family was mourning and grieving and weeping and Jesus shows up on the scene and it's just a a horrible scene. Lazarus was a young guy, died at a young age. And the whole family was just distraught and Jesus shows up and he experiences the pain of all this. He sees everyone weeping and the scripture says that, that Jesus was deeply moved and was troubled. He was so upset that the scriptures record that Jesus wept. Think of the son of God, Jesus, the one that you know, crying and weeping with family and friends. He was deeply moved, he was troubled, and he began to cry. And let's pick up the story in John chapter 11, verse 35. It says, Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe that you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Now how do you feel about the statement that Jesus is your example and you should follow in his steps? The man never sinned one time and he raises people from the dead. Sound impossible yet? (laughs) A third story from Jesus' life happened as he was dying on the cross. It's found in Luke chapter 23. Jesus had been betrayed by one of his closest friends and he'd been arrested. He'd just been beaten, he'd been spit upon, he'd been mocked, he'd been abandoned, he'd been nailed to a cross to die. He was suffering with excruciating pain. He was minutes before breath, he could, before death, he could barely breathe. There are two criminals hanging on crosses right alongside of him. One on his right, one on his left, and, then, and Luke 22, 34 says something almost unbelievable. Jesus said, picture this, hanging on the cross. For the very people that had just spit upon him, mocked him, beaten him, Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. 
Instead of being bitter about what is happening to him, instead of being angry at the people doing this to him, Jesus prays for them and wants them to be forgiven. Now, I don't know about you, I have a hard time being this way when somebody cuts me off on the freeway. Let alone when somebody is spitting on me and beating me and crucifying me. I mean, this is incredible. One of the criminals hanging next to him is so amazed by this. I mean, imagine if you were one of the criminals dying next to Jesus. And you you see this man and you hear this man praying for the very people who had falsely accused him were killing him. One of the criminals was so moved by what happened that he puts his faith in Jesus right there on the spot, minutes before both of them died. This criminal hanging next to Jesus looks at him and calls him the king and says, would you remember me when you enter your kingdom? Jesus looks this man straight in the eye, barely able to speak or breathe, looks at this criminal who'd probably never done a good thing his entire life, looks at him and says, today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus had power over temptation. Jesus had power to love people and bring hope to them when things looked hopeless. And Jesus had power to forgive people when forgiveness didn't even make any sense. And this same Jesus, the one who did the seemingly impossible, looks to you and me and says to us, come, follow me. Become like me. One time he put it like this in Matthew 11, 28 and 29. He said, come to me. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, a yoke in the ancient world, if you don't know what a yoke is, it's one of the things you'd tie around an oxen to sort of steer them, to teach them what to do and how to do it. When used to talk about, about humanity, and especially when used to talk about a disciple and, and their master who they would follow, it had this idea of submission where the master was gonna teach you everything he knew and was gonna teach you how to do what he did. And so Jesus invites you, he looks at you, he looks at me, and he says, come, follow me, become like me, learn to do what I did. And this is the invitation. Now, I don't blame you if at first this feels impossible, if it feels like telling a short person to be tall, if it feels like telling me to be Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal. And I think this is one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people, even people who call themselves Christians, they don't really follow Jesus. They don't really try to be like him and do what he did. That's true of most of us because we don't really believe it's possible. Right? We don't really believe it's possible to resist temptation like he did. Be honest with yourself. Jesus never sinned. Is that possible? Is it possible for you and I to resist temptation? all the time, every time? Is it possible for you and I to love people and bring hope to people like he did? Is it possible to forgive people like he did? And if we're honest, we don't really believe it. Sounds good. We don't really believe it's possible, and because we don't believe it's possible, we just keep looking at pornography, right? We don't believe it's possible, so we keep turning to chocolate and ice cream to fill the hole in our hearts. Be honest. Chocolate and ice cream. (laughs) And for those lonely moments of life, you feel kind of aimless. You keep pursuing money and possessions instead of pursuing love and generosity and compassion. 
When's the last time you went out of your way to show love, generosity, and compassion to other people more than you pursued your own money, your own possessions in life? We keep holding on to bitterness and anger instead of forgiving others when they wrong us. Some of us in this room, you're holding on to bitterness and anger right now. You've got some broken relationship in life and you see Jesus praying for his mockers and his accusers and those that killed him, asking God to forgive them with a heart of love and you think, that sounds impossible. I can't do that. And the reason we don't think it's possible, I think, is because we, we, we tell ourselves, well, the reason Jesus could do it is because he was God, right? Of, of course Jesus could do that. He, he was God and I'm not. It's just not realistic, right? Well, listen, that mindset that, that Jesus did it because he was God, that, that's half true. It is half true, right? Jesus is the one and only divine son of God who fully shares his father's nature. That is true. Jesus is equal with God by his very nature. But probably the wonder of all wonders in all the history of the world is found in John chapter one. Listen to what it says. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Listen, the story of Christianity, the shocking scandal of Christianity, the surprise that nobody was ready for is that God became a man. Philippians 2 puts it like this, Christ Jesus, being in very nature God, yes, that's true, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself. That is one of the most important phrases you'll ever hear. He emptied himself, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. When the Son of God became a man, he emptied himself of his divine privileges, of his divine power. In other words, Jesus became fully human. He really did. Now, it doesn't mean he stopped being God, but it does mean that when Jesus lived his life on earth, he did not live on earth as God. The things that he did, he did not do through the power of God. Now, the implications of this for you and me, for our lives and what's possible for us, are just staggering when you let them really hit you. Listen, everything Jesus did when he was on earth, everything, he did as a man. When Jesus walked on water, he did it as a man. When Jesus healed the sick, he did it as a man. When Jesus rose people from the dead, he did it as a man. When he resisted temptation, he did it as a man. When he cast out demons, he did it as a man. When he loved the unlovable, he did it as a man. When he was beaten and crucified, he did it as a man. And when he rose from the dead, Jesus did it as a man. Jesus is one of us. When Jesus was a newborn baby, he was a real flesh and blood human baby. He didn't know how to talk. He couldn't eat on his own. He had to wear diapers. People had to take care of him. He couldn't do anything for himself. He didn't know anything. He couldn't do anything. Everything he eventually knew, he had to learn. Luke 2.52 says that Jesus 
talking about his process of growing up, Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He grew, he learned. He was a man just like you and me. He had to learn, he had to grow. Even his relationship with God had to grow and develop. You know, the scriptures actually say that he learned obedience. He never sinned, but he learned obedience. Jesus was human, just like you and me. Listen, let me say this again. Jesus is a man. Jesus is our brother. He is our example. It is God's will for us to become like him. And so the million-dollar question is, if Jesus was human just like us, how did he do all these things? If he didn't do these things because he was God, then how did he do them? The secret's found in the summary of Jesus' life in Luke 4.18. This is Jesus describing who he was and how he was going to do what he was about to do. Again, this is very, at the very beginning. This is after Jesus came out of the wilderness. He was tempted by the devil. He resisted all of Satan's temptations, sinless, victorious. He goes into the synagogue, and the very first thing he does is he reads this passage of Scripture to all the people. Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The secret of Jesus' life, the way that he did what he did, it was not by his own divine power. The way Jesus lived such an incredible life was through the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was a man. Everything Jesus did while on earth, he did as a man empowered by the Holy Spirit. And listen closely to this. This is where you and I come in. This is where it affects us. The very same Holy Spirit that was available to Jesus is available to you. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is available to you and to me. John chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus put it like this. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. Jesus says, anyone with faith in me will do what I have been doing. The power to be like Jesus is the power of the Holy Spirit, and it is available to you and to me. Power to resist temptation is available to you. You do not have to give in. Power to love and bring hope to people when things seem hopeless is available to you and to me. Power to forgive those people that you don't think you could possibly forgive is available to you. It can be done, it is possible. Now you might not become sinless overnight. Scripture says that that Jesus had the Holy Spirit without measure. (laughs) You and I, we have it in measure, okay? We're, we're, We're growing, we're in process. There's more and more available to us. You might not become sinless overnight, but I tell you what will happen, you will sin less. You might not raise somebody from the dead tomorrow but you will have power to love and bring hope into hopeless situations. 
And you might not be able to restore every broken relationship, but you will have power to forgive and get rid of the bitterness and find freedom. The power of God's spirit. Now you come back to planet Earth for a minute, okay? (laughs) He just let this rest on you for a moment. Sounds great, right? But is it really possible? Is it really possible to live in the power of the Spirit of God himself? Now look, if I'm honest, and I should be, <laughs> and so should you, if you're honest, there are moments when you feel like this is, this is, you're growing, you're making some progress in this in your life, right? You're really following Jesus. You're resisting temptation. You're loving the people around you. You're being forgiving. And, and you feel like you're making progress, but then there are those moments when you just fall flat on your face. Three steps forward, two steps back, right? And, and you wanna believe it's possible. But listen, if I'm, if I'm honest, there are times in my life when I fail miserably to resist temptation. There are times in my life when I fail miserably to love the people around me. And there are times in my life where I fail miser- miserably to forgive quickly and easily, <laughs> right? But I can't escape the fact that Jesus says it's possible. And I wonder if the reason I struggle to believe it's possible is because I'm I'm really not sure I believe it's worth it. I think there's something to this. Is it really that you don't think it's possible or do you just struggle to believe it's worth it? Think about those moments of temptation when they come in your life. And you're faced with this unmet desire that you have and you're tempted to fulfill that desire in a way that you know is wrong. Or think about that moment where the guy cuts you off on the freeway and your blood is boiling. In that moment, is it that you don't think it's possible or you just don't think it's worth it? I think we need to be honest that sometimes we just doubt whether it's worth it because even if it is possible, following Jesus can be very costly. It is not easy to follow Jesus in this world. It is very, very difficult. The whole world's moving in the opposite direction, right? It can be very, very costly. Following Jesus, really following him, means loving Jesus so much that you're willing to suffer to show love to God and the people around you. It can be very, very costly. Jesus called it taking up your cross and following him. And it can be hard to believe that taking up a cross is worth it, right? If we're honest. But look, whenever I struggle to believe this, I come back to some very simple things. I just look at Jesus and I listen to what he said. And something happens to me. Something happens when you just fix your eyes on Jesus and you look at him and you listen to him. I don't know what you see when you look at Jesus. But what I see when I look at Jesus is everything I ever want to be. <laughs> everything I would ever want to become. I look at Jesus and say, I want to be like that. When you look at him, something happens inside. Listen, this is what the scripture calls faith. Does faith happen to you when you look at Jesus? Because listen, if it does, what happens is all the doubts fade away and you put your trust. When you see Jesus for who he really is, when you put your faith in him, all of a sudden you believe not only is it possible, you believe it's worth it. Scriptures say this is how it happens. In the middle of all your doubts, in the middle of all your struggles, the power of the Holy Spirit is received You wanna know how to receive it? It really is this simple. The power of the Holy Spirit is received by putting your faith in Jesus. Look at him, listen to him, and want what you see. 
Put your faith in Jesus. Jesus said, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. The question is, will you and I put our faith in Jesus in the everyday moments of our lives? When you're faced with temptation, will you put your faith in Jesus? When when you're struggling to, to not love, when you're struggling to be selfish and pursue your own gains, will you put your faith in Jesus or your faith in your money and possessions? When you're struggling to forgive, Will you put your faith in Jesus and leave it to him? Or will you hold on to your rights and hold on to your bitterness? Faith in Jesus means believing in him. It means trusting that he's telling you the truth. It means trusting that he loves you and wants what's best for you. Putting your faith in Jesus means depending on him to help you, provide for you, teach you, empower you, enable you. It means treasuring him. Putting your faith in Jesus means treasuring him above all else. It means looking at Jesus and believing that following him and becoming like him is possible and worth it. It means believing that following him will lead you into the deepest love, will lead you into the highest joy, will lead you into the most lasting peace, the best pleasure and the greatest adventure. Do you believe that? Or do you look at Jesus and say, no, I think there's a better alternative. I really do think Jesus would be the first to say, listen, if somebody else has better answers to the biggest questions, follow them. But if not, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus came as a man. He lived in the power of the Holy Spirit to show us that it's possible and to show us that it's worth it. And so here's where I think all this lands tonight. Here's where I think the big idea of this whole thing is this. You should follow Jesus because Jesus is a man and because Jesus is the man, (laughs) right? Listen, because Jesus is a man, it's possible. Don't miss that. Because Jesus is a man, it is possible to follow him and become like him. And because he is the man, it's worth it. So if you believe this today, I wanna just declare it for the whole world to hear, for God to hear, for the people around you to hear, for Satan himself to hear. If you believe this today, I'm gonna say some things and I want you to repeat them after me. If you don't believe it, yeah, that's fine. Just be quiet and you can sit there. And that's okay. Look, I, I realize not everybody's quite there yet. But for those that are, let's just declare it together. I'm gonna say some things, repeat after me. Number one, let's do this. Jesus is a man. So it is possible. Jesus is the man. So it is worth it. You believe that? You believe that today? Now look, I don't know about you, but I'm gonna fix my eyes and I'm gonna trust him and I'm gonna follow him, believing it's possible, believing it's worth it. And when I do, I might actually find myself capable of the impossible. I might find that I could actually walk on water one day. Now, you might laugh at me for that. People would have laughed at Peter, too. Listen, one of Jesus' friends, because he fixed his eyes on Jesus and looked at him and found the faith that comes from it, he walked on water for about 1.5 seconds. (laughs) And then he took his eyes off of him and he sank. 
But you know what the beautiful thing is? When, when Peter sank, you know what happened next? Jesus reached out his hand, lifted him back up again. He said, come on, let's try again. <laughs> right? And listen, this is what's going to be happening. You're going to jump in. I, what I'm saying today is for me, I want to jump in. I want to believe it's possible. I want to believe it's worth it. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus, and I want to try to do the impossible. If it means resisting temptation, loving the people around me, forgiving like Jesus forgave, I want to try the impossible. I want to follow Jesus with my life. Jesus looks at you. He looks at me, and he says, come, follow me. Sometimes I don't believe it's possible. Sometimes I don't believe it's worth it. But when I look at Jesus and listen to him, I believe it. If you're here today and you don't yet believe it, that's okay. Keep searching. Keep trying to find a better alternative. I think your search will lead you right back where you started. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to God but through him. When you follow Jesus, you find the very presence and power and love of God. Jesus called it the good news. Is the news really as good as he says it is? We all have to decide. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for sending your one and only Son to become one of us. What, what, what an incredibly humbling honor it is to be a human like Jesus. He became one of us. What a wonder. Lord, help us to, to see him Help us to hear him. Help us to put our faith in him. Help us to believe it really is possible to follow him and become like him. And help us to believe it really is worth it. And for those that aren't quite there yet, Lord, let today just be a next step. A step closer today, God. Help them to see Jesus for who he really is and to trust him. Father, give us your Holy Spirit today. You say you give the Holy Spirit to those that ask you. Today, we ask, believing that you will. Help us to walk out of here in the power of the Holy Spirit, resisting temptation, loving the people around us, bringing hope to this world, and forgiving like you forgave us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. If you wanna connect with somebody in prayer, which a whole bunch of you I think probably should today. I think it would be, would be something God would want for you in this moment. Don't run out of here. Let the Holy Spirit lead you today. Listen to his voice. Let him lead you. Connect with someone in prayer. Right to my left, your right. Okay? God bless. Let's go follow Jesus together. Amen? Let's do it. All right.